Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, everybody. Happy hump day for those who haven't gone on holiday. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined for the first time by News Agenda Virgin, the Mirror's political correspondent, Dave Bird. Good morning, Dave. Morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, be gentle with him, everybody. This is first time. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to pray that the sun comes out at home. So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on a Tory U-turn just for a change, which may lead to a reprieve for thousands of railway ticket offices that have been threatened with closure. Trailed on the front there, there's new images from the island of Rhodes, where Brit tourists have been escaping the flames. And since uh, on an inside, sorry, not since, inside on pages eight and nine is a spread talking about how Greek fishermen sent a fleet of little ships, Dunkirk style, to evacuate tourists from the beaches. People have also been telling stories of how locals helped them out with food, water, shelter when they had to flee their hotels. Now, Dave, this would all be absolutely dandy, except in 2020 on the island of Lesvos, which is in the same bit of sea in the Aegean, locals barricaded the roads when a fire ripped through the Moria refugee camp and refused food and water to the desperate asylum seekers who fled those flames. Um, but tourists are just better, aren't they? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, like you say, the juxtaposition there is quite alarming. I mean, our, our colleague Lucy Thornton is over in Rhodes at the moment and she's been speaking to some of the uh, some of the lengths that people have been going to to rescue tourists. Uh, as uh, as you mentioned, sort of one of the rescuers has compared it to the Dunkirk spirit. I've talked to, has talked about tugboats being sent out to rescue uh, people. But yeah, like you say, I mean, this does stand in uh, you know a very stark contrast to the way people fleeing uh, you know sort of Iraq, Syria, uh, Afghanistan have uh, have found themselves on the gates of Europe. Exactly. And it's some of the pictures that we've seen that have come out of there. If it was a brown person clutching their child and running away from the flames, you would assume that it was a war zone they were leaving and that they were refugees. But because they're white and um, just a bit tanned or covered in ash, people would go, oh, that's a shame. Poor them. Whereas the refugees tend to not get quite the same kind of attention. Now, what do you think, everybody? Do you think this has been a wonderful bit of public-spirited uh, humanitarian work by the Greek fishermen? Do you think this is just uh, spiffing and marvellous? Or do you think there is a bit of a, a juxtaposition here? I mean, it, it, may, it does make me do a little bit of sick in my mouth, really, Dave, to see people talking about the Dunkirk spirit when, you know, A, the tourists didn't invade, B, they weren't there to fight the Nazis, but to get a tan. And C, you know, the Second World War led to protections for refugees, which the Greeks and the Brits have happily ignored in recent years, quite happily. Um, but then I suppose the tourism industry is a bit more important to the Greek economy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think like you say, I mean, this has been, uh, you know, this has been ongoing for some years and we're still no closer to any sort of solution or resolution where, you know, you'd expect the whole of Europe to be working together, you know, with Greece and Turkey, particularly on the gateway to Europe. 
we're, uh, you know, sort of each individual country is still having the arguments and people are ending up sort of living life in limbo as a result because we're, uh, you know, sort of the countries of Europe, ourselves included, are, uh, you know, sort of trying to uh, trying to effectively distance themselves from this problem. Exactly. I don't want to be part of it, but the migrant crisis has been predicted for so many years and everyone knew it was coming. Uh, likewise, the climate crisis, which has led in part to these wildfires, although some people have been arrested for arson, the reason that these fires have taken hold and been able to spread and do so much damage is because the countryside is so dry because it's been so hot for so long. Um, and it's, it's all stuff that was easily spottable some time ago. Uh, and I don't know, I just, I just, I see that little sort of Dunkirk spirit stuff in the paper and I, I don't go, oh, please. It's, it's not that at all. It makes me a bit annoyed, I'm afraid. But um, let me know what you think, everybody. And if it, anyone is out there and isn't on holiday, do let us know, by the way. Sometimes it does feel like you're sort of speaking to an empty room. Uh, but not everyone's gone away yet. So, but speaking of invasions, for the past few years, we have had regular alerts about the feared arrival, much feared arrival of Asian hornets in this country. Massive two-inch beasties. Um, which are very invasive and destroy bee colonies in just a few hours, and it wrecks ecosystems on the way. Now, they've been in Jersey for a while, and there's been a big campaign there um, by DEFRA to find and destroy each nest. But now uh, they've had another sighting that's been confirmed in Plymouth. They are coming to the mainland. Dave, do we need to stop worrying about refugees and start worrying about the hornets, which could do an awful lot more damage? Well, I mean, we're, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly this should be getting uh, people worried. The damage to our ecosystems is, uh, you know, sort of like the, um, the Ashbury farm in Tavistock where the latest, um, where the Asian hornet was found uh, over the weekend has pointed out that they can, that these, uh, these hornets can wipe out a colony of bees in hours. Obviously, we're so dependent on, uh, you know, on, our, on bees for our current ecosystem. This should be something to worry about. And obviously, DEFRA are going to have to look very closely about the fact that these are being, uh, you know, these are being found on the, um, these are being found on the mainline. On the mainline, uh, you know, Jersey have been worried about this for some years and they've had a very proactive extermination process, essentially, uh, sort of identifying their nests and, um yeah, you know, if uh, in the instance over the weekend, apparently these uh, these hornets were found pro attacking a, uh, a beekeeper's solar wax um, extractor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, certainly the, the danger's there. Yeah, they've certainly been seen attacking hives. Now, Leon says these hornets are harmless if left alone. They're not hippy-dippy, um, smoke a joint, don't mind what everyone else is up to kind of animals. Leon, uh, they attack a bee colony, uh, attack a lot of bee colonies. In fact, one one hornet will pretty much destroy a colony if left to itself. And this is what the RSPB says on the topic. The concern around the Asian hornet is that it is a significant predator of bees. In France, it has consumed large numbers of bees, including the well-known European honeybee and many, many lesser-known solitary and colonial bee species. Nature conservation organisations, including the RSPB, are concerned about the impacts of Asian hornets on bees as these pollinating species are an essential component of well-functioning ecosystems. If you didn't have bees, um, pretty much every plant that we have in the world at the moment that has developed since the time of the dinosaurs wouldn't get pollinated. It would be very difficult to get pollinated. It might Some of them might struggle on, but bees are going to have without bees we're gonna have real problems you wouldn't have a lot of crops 
you wouldn't have a lot of fruit and veg. Um, and we're all going to suffer, Leon. So these things aren't entirely harmless. They really aren't. Um, sorry, Leon. Yes, they are bee killers. Yeah. Well done, though, for saying you, you've got it wrong. Thank you very much. Um, now, what do you think, everybody? Are you worried about the hornets? Because I had uh, there was some every so often there was an alert about these things. And we do have European hornets in this country, which are also two inch beasties and are very, very similar looking. And I've had one uh, at my house before now and I rang Defra in great excitement. Go, oh, my God, I've got an Asian hornet. And they went, no, 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 take a picture. That is a European hornet. They are pretty much harmless. Don't worry about those. Not bother about those. It's the Asian ones we're worried about. Um, and now, unfortunately, they have sort of invaded the mainland. In last year in Jersey, they found 55 Asian hornet queens which sounds like the most terrifying drag act you've ever imagined. This year, they found 438. That is an exponential rise. And I'm afraid to say it's not the first time it's happened. So there have been five, count them five, confirmed sightings of Asian hornets in the UK. This year alone, it's only July, there have been a total of 28 confirmed sightings since 2016. And that figure includes a total of 14 nests, all of which were destroyed. Now, 2023, the sightings we've had is one in Newcastle, a single hornet who was captured. And then the other four, I'm afraid, were down here in Kent in the People's Republic. So Ashford, a single hornet was captured. Canterbury, a single hornet was captured. The end of June, a nest was destroyed in Dover. And then a couple of days later, a single hornet captured again in Dover. Maybe they're coming across on the small boats, Dave. Who knows? But um, they are, they've been in France since 2004 and they're plainly finding their way across the channel. In Plymouth, in Kent, it's the south and the, the coastal areas which where they're coming into. And so DEFRA warning people, if you are going away and you are coming on a ferry, right, you're coming back and you've been to France maybe, just check your suitcases, check the car, all right? If there's something buzzing or crawling or anything else, just get it out before you bring it back across the channel, please. Otherwise, <clears throat> it will get to the point that they have to fumigate your vehicle when you come off the ferry, because we really can't have these things in Britain. It's going to be very, very bad. Um, but they seem like they're coming, doesn't it? Yeah. It's pretty inevitable. Is there anything we can really do about it? I mean, the government well, small boats. There's no, it's not going to manage much with hornets, are they? Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, certainly the advice to the public is not to try and tackle these yourselves, uh, to report them. I mean, the sting apparently is worse than that of a wasp or a bee. Uh, so, yeah, if you see one, report it to uh, report it to DEFRA um, and they'll go fumigate. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of these trends. I mean, it's going to be incredibly difficult once they take hold, like you say, once you start seeing them on, in these numbers on the uh, in the Channel Islands. I mean, the, uh, you know, the key steps are going to be to make sure people are being proactive if they're coming back from places where they're more prevalent to make sure that they're uh, that they're likely to um, make sure that they report them straight away that they keep an eye out for them and uh, you know that's when when these are spotted that uh, you know the people of defra uh, do uh, you know do act on it very quickly to yes. make sure they don't take roots and uh, you know start breeding exponentially that's the problem. And it is the time of year for nests right now and for swarms. So you may be more likely to see them this time of the year than any other time of the year. But of course, when it gets cold, they start trying to shelter somewhere indoors and a bit dry and they'll not want to overwinter. So just keep an eye out generally. If you do find one, you just have to Google um, the Asian Hornet hotline. Right. And there's there's a way to take a picture, make sure you got it right. But you need to remember the difference between the European Hornet and the Asian Hornet is not very big. But basically, the Asian Hornet's got yellow feet. Uh, that's the one. Ah! 
Uh, and those are the ones you don't want. If they've got black feet, don't worry about them. But it's the yellow feet you need to worry about. And if you do manage to spot one, make sure you get it reported uh, because that is going to make um, a bit of a difference, I would have thought, in being able to actually tackle these things. Although with the governments we've had of late that, you know, can't find people who've actually come through border control first, I don't really understand how they're going to be able to find a small two-inch insect, really, especially if they uh, they don't go and make themselves known to the tax inspectors. So it's going to be tricky, isn't it? But let's try and see and do our best because... Obviously, the government's not going to do it for us. Right. Um, thank you for that, Dave. We need to have a little move on now. And we have managed to find some good news in the world. And here it is. Now, it might not be good news, actually, if I'm, if I'm honest. It might be misleading you, everybody. It could be good news. It could even be seen as silly season stuff. Um, but in St Ives in Cornwall, uh, locals have clubbed together to buy their own hospital. Now, they've managed to raise a million pounds, which in Cornwall means you've basically bought your town. Uh, it will be used to house vital charities who work in the community, health groups and support people with chronic conditions like Parkinson's. The bad news, I'm afraid, is that they used to have a hospital in exactly the same spot, uh, but the NHS was going to sell it off for flats. So locals via the town council negotiated with them and managed to buy it back and keep it as a community resource. So well done to St Ives. Bad uh, luck for uh, everyone else who was hoping that the hospital would actually stay there and do its job. But Dave, is this proof, do you think, that if we're going to save the NHS, we're going to have to do it ourselves? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite, uh, you know, beneath the surface, it's quite a sad tale. This place closed down in 2020. Uh, you know, it's taken a mammoth fundraising effort by the local community to try to keep this in force, providing, you know, if you're a Parkinson's patient, living in this area this is an absolutely vital service that was very much on the brink of being sold off to become flats uh they told i've seen reports elsewhere that uh the groups behind it are still having to contend with a four hundred thousand pound mortgage on the property so the you know the fundraising certainly isn't over it's taken a you know a mammoth effort to get to this place supported by to get to this point supported by businesses yeah. Uh, to keep this running as a, uh, you know, as a viable health centre, like we say, to provide this vital service has taken, you know, huge efforts and an awful lot of money when, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, with an ageing population, uh, you know, the need for facilities like this isn't going to go down at all. Of course it is. And St Ives right down on the on the very tip of Cornwall. It's a long, long way from the nearest hospitals. Uh, I think they've only got one hospital in, in Cornwall anyway. It's very mm. difficult to get anywhere around there if you don't have a car if you've got parkinson's you're probably not driving let's face it uh, and everything that they've tried to replace in this hospital was a vital community resource and look it's not very big it's only like a you know old georgian victorian house it's you know it's a it's a six bedroom kind of property sort of thing they were obviously going to get some money out of turning it into flats but it's not like it's you know a 400 bed thing that they were trying to keep open it was fairly small did a good job and unfortunately, you know, the NHS is in such straits, they'll have to sell it off because it wasn't getting used enough, I suppose, to make it viable. But they've, they've still got all this fundraising to do. But it is amazing and good news that in a fairly impoverished community, uh, like you say, with an ageing population, Dave, they've managed to find this money. They've got the support. And uh, although they've got a mortgage, they have at least been judged able to, to service that mortgage and to keep, you know, mm. keep the fundraising going and, and keep working for it, which is... A lovely sign of community spirit, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a tremendous 
work by the community to uh you know to be able to keep these going and something we're likely to see replicated uh you know with the nhs having to take uh having to take stock of its um of its uh, buildings across the country and what gets used and what doesn't you know i think we're going to see this more and more and communities are likely to be stepping up more and more to sort of make decisions like this yeah well what a shame though if that's if that's where Nye Bevan's vision ends up taking us is uh, actually having to fundraise for your own hospital. I'm pretty certain that was the opposite of what was intended uh, in 1948. But we'll have to just see how it all turns out, I suppose, won't we? Not um, not perhaps the best note to end on, but well done, St Ives. At least you've still got your hospital uh, to some extent. Anyway, some resources there to use. And for doing all the... Um, the fundraising and the community work, which I think is absolutely marvellous. Well done, you. Uh, so if you see an Asian hornet, don't forget, phone the uh, the government, let them know. Um, and if you are seeing anything about the little boats and the Dunkirk spirit, try and read up on what actually happened at Dunkirk um, and perhaps, you know, the Moria refugee camp and, and how the Greeks treat those it is a bit different. Um, thank you, Dave, for taking us through all that. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Uh, we're not here next week because finally I get to go on holiday. Um, although it's not Greece because I'll have found somewhere that won't catch fire. Um, and we will see you all again at some point in August later um, for some more editions of the News Agenda. Till then, everybody, take care, look after yourselves, and we'll see you on the other side. Tatty bye. <laughs>